All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Performance for Life podcast. This is your co-host, Jake Laspinato. And again, today we have a very special guest and I'm really excited to hear more. I was just talking literally a second ago saying I'm really excited to hear her story because seeing where she is now is just super cool and what she's doing. She's just a really powerful human being. So today we have Sarah Buckley. And Sarah is a yoga teacher and a mindset coach, and she helps women stop feeling stuck through mindset and movement so they can gain confidence in uncovering their potential and live their best lives. So without further ado, Sarah, how are you? Hi, Jay. Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Of course. We're so, I'm so happy to have you on. This is super cool. Like I was just saying, I, I really want to open up the floor and just hear more about like what got you to the place that you're in now, because with our podcast and what we're doing is of course, like Pat, Chris and I focus more, I would say more on health and wellness side of things. But like at the same time, we all understand the holistic side of health and wellness, where it's like, it's more than just exercise and diet. And it's, it's much deeper than that. I know a lot of the work that you're doing is very much, it seems to be involved around that with, with the way you're living your life and coaching. So what got you to like where you're at right now and take us through, through that journey? Well, it started off probably when I was in high school growing up, you know, doing competitive gymnastics, competitive dance, like movement was a part of everything I, I did. It was the foundation and it really helps you find that discipline and, you know, connect to the like values that you bring up in your day and find that connection with other people. And that's where I learned kind of how important movement was to me and how it made me feel and that community aspect. So that's where it started off. And then as I got into college, I still danced at, at college and I started to go to the gym, but I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't really have any coaches or mentors. And I definitely didn't like asking for help. So that was kind of my, like, I just want to figure it out on my own. Like I've always kind of had that um, behind me, but I'm not like that anymore. I've probably done, you know, a complete turn. Now I realize that's the most powerful thing you can do is, is have mentors and have coaches. But during college, I started to lift weights, go to the gym. And that's when I got introduced to CrossFit. And again, the physical component was really powerful and finally had coaches in the sport and learned a lot and absolutely loved it. I loved how intentional suffering creates your ability to be comfortable in other areas of your life where you're mm. experiencing discomfort. And I started to get into that mindset space of like realizing performance, you know, and, and exercise, like, what am I telling myself when I'm doing this? Like how much further can I go without, you know, realizing the story I'm telling myself. Mm. So slowly got more into kind of the mindset space and figuring out how powerful the thoughts I was having were impacting, not just my physical aspirations, but my personal ones. And that is where I felt it made even more of an impact. Like how can I translate what I'm learning in the gym outside of the gym? And I realized it was kind of everything relationships, you know, having 
that, you know, personal relationships, intimate relationships, family, friends, whatever it might be. A lot of the times we're telling ourselves stories and we're repeating that story and it can either help us or hurt us. And I realized a lot of the times I was actually hurting my potential by not focusing on the mindset component. So as I started studying that, I I did a lot of research, read a lot of books, and I started to experience how powerful this shift was for me. And then from there, I started to take a lot of yoga classes because they were my favorite part of them was actually the, the mindset, the emotional theme, the ability to tap into that awareness that I didn't have for so many years and, you know, working out and at dance and all, all of that. And then after that, got my certification to teach and worked with mindset coaches. I got over that idea that you can't ask for help, <laughs> worked with coaches, mentors, life coaches, and saw that what it was doing for me, I saw, you know, advances in most every area of my life and became passionate about how can I spread this impact and the service to other people. And here I am today, a yoga teacher and a mindset coach running group programs for women, um, teaching mindfulness, meditation, all of different techniques for mindset work. And it is a dream come true. <laughs> wow. wow. That is an amazing Damn. story. Yeah. That was a lot. That was a lot, but that's, yeah. that's my so couple minutes. I, I have two questions real quick. You said something and I want you to repeat it because I actually wanted to write it down because I was like, oh, damn. You said something about intentional suffering. Like when yeah, you were talking, you said something about, about like when, when we suffer, we find something through suffering or what, what did you say? Yeah. When you experience intentional suffering, you are able to know how to react outside of that intention. And then you experience it. And then when it happens in your real life or outside of the gym, you know how it feels and you know how to like work through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Damn. that's one of, that's one of the things why I think I like your story kind of resonates with me a lot because CrossFit and sports, you know, CrossFit's a sport. So having that avenue where you intentionally put yourself in a situation that this is going to be challenging workout, you know, you're going to push yourself, you know, you might even get to a point where you're questioning like, why am I even here? And it was, it was oh, funny. Yeah. So I'm a high school football coach as well as a personal trainer. I just started coaching this year and Yesterday we had a game and the team we were playing against did pretty well the first quarter. Like we were down like 21-0. And I was telling the guys, like, hey, like, you know, adversity is gonna happen. The next question is, is how do you respond? And we came back, we fought. We eventually we lost the game by like one point, but we made it a pretty competitive game. And I think, you know, just the moral of what you just said in sports and life, it's like we have these situations where if we intentionally are putting ourselves in this position to be uncomfortable, to know there is going to be some uncertainty, how we're going to feel, what's going to happen, that if you expose yourself to it, just like you expose your muscles to squats or deadlifts, you're going to get stronger. And that resiliency is going to carry over to life and and bleed into other aspects of your life. So I really love that. My question is with being in that, and, you know, helping women, you know, especially, you know, people maybe, you know, they didn't do dance or they didn't have that experience of sports, right? How do you kind of help them kind of cultivate that mindset where, you know, you want to actually be uncomfortable? How do you, how do you help someone get 
comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly, through the work, the, the work that we do, mindset work is uncomfortable, right? If you're, if you're actually yeah. do, digging in and it might not be physical, the, the movement component of the people that I work with is, is yoga is not suffering. It's quite the opposite of that. It's tapping yeah. into that consciousness, but it is actually about just doing the work, inner work. So sometimes that can feel like I like to give the analogy of like you're cleaning out your closet and like you're doing your, mm. you know, you're trying to get rid of like the things that are like really deep in, in our past and our experiences and our patterns that we live out that we don't even mm. know. And it's like, once you start cleaning out the closet, you're, the room is a mess. It feels messy. And that kind of feels like uncomfortable, not necessarily suffering, but like this right. is discomfort facing the right. things that I don't want to face. And then all of a sudden you start to put the pieces back up that you want. You hopefully are able to, you know, let go of the things that you don't want. And you find a little bit more of that organization in the closet in your life, whatever that might be. So it might not be physical suffering as far as the people that I'm working with, but doing the work internally is, is definitely uncomfortable. And as they experience that, if they can get over that like little hump of like this, this is hard work. Then they mm-hmm. find that breakthrough. They see their habits changing. They see their desire to move, to eat better. It really is like the foundation of all the changes that you want to make in your life in other areas. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Do you find that like with, with the women that you're working with, cause I really like that you were saying like the movement aspect of it is yoga. And I say this because I work with a lot of people who are really stressed out and it's almost like, Hey, listen, you, you actually need like a little less strength training and a little less output. And you need a little bit more like yoga and things like meditation and breathing. And I would say lots of things that fall into that, like mindfulness category. So where I'm going with that is like, do you find that a lot of the women you're working with are stressed out or do you find it's more like their mental blocks, like they're having a hard time working through stuff internally? Yeah, I would say there's some sort of combination. It really depends on the person, but stress and overwhelm, you know, they're a part of almost everyone's experiences, but that is probably due to the inability to kind of break down some of the, you know, like that awareness and, and kind of have the tools in your toolbox to, to deal with those feelings. So part of the program is just finding your, not only like movement that is suiting you, but also, you know, movement that can help, you know, be, be good for your body. Cause your body, if you're constantly working out, there are some people that have their workout routine and they're constantly stressing their body. And then Mm. if you also have, you know, mental stress as well, like your body is like stress overload. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you do need to back off, but I would say it's a combination of of people kind of listening to their bodies, learning how to back off maybe the intensity if they're not feeling well and it's showing up in other areas like stress and overwhelm. But there's also the people that want to include more movement and realize and maybe don't have a routine and they want to start with something that's maybe less impact on their body, something that's lighter, more able to be integrated into their routine. So it actually is almost like the full spectrum, but at the end of the day, stress and overwhelm are being experienced by almost everyone, right? We can always get better at at handling that. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. I feel like it's, it's like a constant process. Like it's, I love this word and I love this topic, but I feel like awareness is like the first key is like, and mm-hmm. once that actually clicked for me, cause I heard it for so, so long, like on this, like first starting my personal development journey, which is like, so interwoven with what you're saying, or I could connect so much because I feel like my personal development journey really started with being in the gym. For me, it was like going through a hard breakup and then just being like, okay, I'm going to start working out. Like it's making me feel better, this and that. And then like, I was slowly sprinkling in all this other stuff, like reading books and journaling and it all just kind of add up. But it wasn't until it really clicked for me, having the awareness around when I get stressed out, when I have limiting beliefs, when I'm talking negatively to myself, when I'm whatever it is, being able to be like, oh, there's that thought again. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing this like self-sabotage again. And then being able to be like, okay, cool. Now what do I do from here? Let's, you know, kind of progress forward from there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Like, like you said, it does get thrown around, like, but until you start to really tap into that and that's what meditation really can do for you is you don't really know what to do with it. Like, it's kind of like, okay, I, I can observe that thought, but I'm not that thought. Yes. But yeah. And it's totally. and at the end of the day too, like one of my coaches like always talks about this, how we're constantly collecting evidence of the stories we're telling ourselves. So if you're believing something, you're going to see that belief in a lot of areas of your life. So if you can create that intention and and change that narrative, that is where the power can really shift. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so true. You know, one of the things I think you guys are saying is spot on with taking care of the mindset first and how, if you don't take care of that, like everything else seems to be a lot harder. Like, you know, you can give the perfect nutrition plan or, perfect workout or, you know, whatever, and it be perfect on paper. But if you're not taking care of that mental component, you know, maybe you're good in the short term, but then keeping it, sustaining it. Right. I think as coaches, like our job is to get, you know, someone who either has an unhealthy relationship with food or their body, you know, maybe they're experiencing a lot of stress and they want to be healthy. They want to be able to enjoy, you know, their kids and have the energy to do things. And, you know, part of, I think us as coaches is to help find that internal motivation, you know, to want to change, because I also feel, I'm pretty sure we've all worked with people where it's just like, yes, you're paying me as your trainer, as your coach, but you still have to do the work. You still have to go through the process. And, you know, one of the things I've been reading, it's called motivational interviewing specifically for like fitness and nutrition. And it's a really good book on how to communicate with your clients as it relates to promoting change talk. So one of the things that, you know, if you hear someone saying like, you know, I've been trying to cut soda out of my diet, like that would be a form of change talk because they're actively doing something to make some sort of change. And then you have someone who maybe is a little bit more ambivalent, you know, they're kind of like, I know I need to wake up a little bit earlier. So I go on my walk, but I'm just too tired at the end of the day. And you know, someone that says something like that, where it's like, they're kind of, they know what they need to do. They know they probably should do it, but there's that thing that's kind of holding them back. And I think it's super, super critical that finding that motivation, you know, knowing what their motivation is to take those actionable steps, right. And, and, and actually move the needle forward. So 
I'm just curious for you, Sarah, like, what would you say, like, has been like your motivation to kind of continue this process for yourself? Knowing that I'm worthy of it is probably what it comes down to. You know, I feel like in, you know, past years, I didn't have a lot of confidence. You know, I didn't want to speak up. I didn't want to speak my truth. I didn't want to have boundaries. Like none of that really existed. And then as soon as I started getting into this space and being like, I'm worthy of having time to myself. I'm worthy of saying no to other people. It's I'm too, you have to choose yourself because if you're empty, then how are you going to teach other people how to fill their cups? So knowing I'm worthy of that and seeing the impact that it's had in every area of my life. And just like the gym, like the, with this work, you know, it's not like you can just work on it once and it's a part of, your life it's every day every day you're right. making that intention intentional choice and it has to be a part of who you are it can't be just you know something you do once or twice same thing with the yeah. gym same thing with the mindset work right with the the women that you work with because i assume you just work with you know a variety of different people probably men too but like do what do you kind of notice between like their like motivation like people that you're helping like what do you feel like is kind of like that deep why for them to like actually take action versus maybe some people who maybe, you know, they're not, you know, taking that action. I think that with coaching, they already know the answers within themselves. For me, it's asking them questions to guide them there and, and allow them to feel how they want to and give them permission to authentically be that. And I think that the more that you can kind of get into that resistance, it's like people, obviously, if they're choosing to be a part of the program, like they want to be better. They want to up-level like something in their life. And the people that really kind of break through that are those that are willing to break down that wall and see, like uncover like what they've kind of maybe been keeping to themselves. And that's why we need community. And that's why I love that it's like a community and you have other people to talk to because you realize at the end of the day, we're all very similar. We all experience similar things. And I would say that those that find that breakthrough really realize how to prioritize themselves, know that they're worthy of it. And they start slowly. It's small, like it's short, small steps each week. I make like a goal for, for each of them to commit to. And then slowly, it doesn't need to be me setting the goal for them. They realize this feels good. And I mm. want to keep this momentum and the momentum is everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you brought something up that I feel is so important is like, it's not just a couple of times. Oh, I'm just going to do this work for a year and then I'll just be good. It's like, it's, this is like, to me, it's a lifelong practice. It's a lifelong journey of, of developing and, and diving in deeper to ourselves it's really powerful. It's really, really powerful work. And it's like, I, I feel like for me, it's been an experience of like a slow snowball. Like it starts with like little golden nuggets and then it's like slowly starts getting bigger. And it's hard to see that in the beginning. I feel like for a lot of people is like to see like all the work that actually goes into it. Cause you know, of course, like I saw someone post the other day, especially with social media, like social media is like a highlight reel. So it's like, most people are just seeing oh my gosh, this person all of a sudden is like this incredibly confident like person who's crushing it and doing this stuff. But it's like, there's so much work that goes into getting to that place. And there's so much darkness and like mud that has to be like 
navigated through. I mean, at least from my own experience, that's how it's been. There's been a lot of shit and I'm continuously working through that and learning and then, okay, cool. Let's go a little bit deeper. And you said something that is like, I'm just like, damn, so true. Like for the most part, I feel like we always have the answers. The answers lie within ourselves. Like our truths are, can be accessed. It's just again, getting through those layers, all those stories, all those programs, all those layers of stuff from family, friends, society, all this stuff that's just piled on top. And then once you start digging and digging and digging, it all begins to come out. So yeah, I think it's that fear, the fear of being alone, the fear of being judged, fear of not being a part of something. What was that book? I think a book was called Tribes that kind of talks about how humans, like we all naturally gravitate towards a certain person or a certain, you know, like in high school, right? You have clicks. And then even as you get into like the workforce, like you had probably coaches that like bodybuilding coaches kind of were together. The CrossFit coaches are together. Like the holistic people are together. Like everyone kind of forms those clicks. And I think you know, when we are helping people, it's providing that environment where it's safe. You can authentically be yourself. And I think also from the coach's perspective, being vulnerable and kind of telling our own story and the power, I think, with each of our own stories and how we can really inspire people to just say like, wow, like you were just like me. I was in your shoes. And it's taken a long time for all of us to get to the place that we're at now. but you can do it too. It's just a matter of having someone to kind of hold you accountable to walk you through that process, maybe avoid mistakes too, along the way, as you're going through it. Cause obviously we've gone through the trials and errors and you know, that's what we try to do when we're helping people is avoid those mistakes. But I think it's, it's really critical that, you know, if you're looking for a coach and you know, this is someone that just tells you what to do, probably is not going to be the best coach for you. You know, you're probably going to want a coach that you know, you can connect with, you know, someone that obviously listens and understands and empathizes with where you're coming from. And I think that alone is a big part I've realized that a lot of coaches don't do. And, you know, just seeing, just, you know, looking over your profile, Sarah, I mean, I think that's what you try to preach. And, you know, the last post you did, you know, doing the, the, the Boston marathon or like training for that and doing something right intentionally to get outside your comfort zone something that was on your bucket list. And to accomplish that, it's like, you have those same fears. What if I fail? You know, what if I get hurt? You know, I mean, there's so many things that could probably be going through your mind. What would you say, Sarah, like, and you kind of, I guess, answered it, but I, I guess I want to hear it again, but it's like, you know, you want to, you're a leader, you know, you're, you're leading by example and you want to be able to show women. It's like, Hey, like I too have those same fears, those same insecurities, but I'm doing something about it. And through that fear and that action comes change and growth, which is right where you, where everyone wants to be. Everyone wants to feel happy. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't grow from your comfort zone, but your comfort zone feels safe in your body. So you think you want to stay there, but you realize it like, isn't it that I think leading by example is, is absolutely, I want to live my truth, share it and, and provide it as service for other people to realize what's possible for them. And that fears are normal. The unknown feels very scary, but it's the constant that we have in every area of our life, really. Mm. 
it's so powerful. And something that just came up for me is like our job as coaches, like all four of us right now here, it's like, for me, at least this journey has started off like this personal spiritual development journey started off as to, to be happy, to be free within myself. And the more that I access that, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, my purpose is to share this journey and help other people access this. Because it's like, if not all these generational things and all these, you know, patterns are going to continue within the world and within society. And especially to directly, you know, for me, like having a daughter was like a fucking explosion of like, I really have to do the work now because I've had so much, a lot of stuff that's been passed down to me. Okay. I got to break this so she can be free of all that trauma and generational stuff. And it's like, not only for just my family now, but for the entire world, for everyone that I encounter, it's like, let's elevate and let's, let's grow and do those things that are uncomfortable and, you know, work through whatever we have to work through. Cause everyone is different too. My journey is different from your journey, Sarah, Pat's journey, Chris's journey. We all have our own stories, but like we were saying, we all experience the human experience if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, breaking that that cycle and it's it's giving like we know that our parents and our, our people around us are doing the best they can with the awareness that they have and not, you know, pointing fingers and putting blame because that is not the solution, but it's looking at our own stories. And I'm glad you brought that up because for for me personally, that is also a huge part is the generational like traumas and family and pattern. Alcoholism is a part of my family. I grew up in a household with alcoholism and it really impacts kind of, you either can observe it and rise above it and break it or you become a part of it. And I knew that that wasn't going to be me. So I really wanted to kind of step up and out of that and, you know, break that pattern and not move into that and, and do better for that. Yeah. The people around me. Yeah. Cause what's so crazy too, is like, cause I, same thing. I grew up in a household with alcoholism and they're, you know, experience that as well. And it's like, we have an option just, I think everyone is like, do we succumb to our environment and use that as like a, an excuse or blaming, or can we take that experience and use it to our advantage and rise above and be better and be stronger. And I feel like that's the opportunity with, with all life circumstances, you know, alcoholism, just being one of them, there's so much more too, of course, but it's really powerful. And it's unique too, because I would say like in our daily lives, like environment can beat out intention, like environment, like you, you surround yourself with like-minded people and it really elevates you. But if, if you don't, if you were to like get into that avenue, then it can really pull you down, even if you have the greatest of intentions. And and moving through life with intention, that's another big thing that I'm always talking about is having that vision, having that intention, or else you're just kind of navigating and you're just kind of that's why a lot of people might feel stuck too, is not having that intention or knowing what that might be for them. Mm. Yeah. Like the the what is that Tony Robbins says, like the the crabs in the bucket. You know, if you're like trying to if the crab's trying to get out of the bucket the crabs are just going to end up like pulling the other crab down. So Mm. you don't even need to put a lid on it. And I feel, you know, I know a lot of the people that I work with, you know, they come from that environment where they drink, you know, drugs, 
And they're the only one in their families that kind of is in trying to embody this healthy lifestyle. So whenever I talk to them about like family and what's going on with their lives, you know, sometimes they'll say like, oh yeah, you know, like my mom or my dad was giving me shit because, you know, it was like a family party and I didn't drink or eat or something like that, you know, cause they have goals, you know, obviously. So, but it's like, it's sad because like, you know, the people that you would think would support you that love you, that are closest to you kind of end up being probably like the worst critics and end up making you feel and question yourself, you know, why am I doing this? And I think it's so powerful. That's to have a coach, you know, to have a mentor where, you know, they've obviously are in a place where you want to be, you know, you work with someone that you want to be at, you know, you want to be healthy, you want to be fit, you know, you want to be stress-free, whatever it is. And knowing that, okay, if I'm working with this person and they're telling me like, Hey, like, you know, these are going to be the changes you're going to go through. And you will find that resistance from your inner circle, you know, the people that you're around. And if they're not with it and they're not supporting you and the comments that they make are more of those snarky, you know, just critiques. Why are you doing this? Why do you have to eat that? Come on, have fun. Then those are not probably the right people to be around. And, you know, I think this is a tough thing for a lot of people. It was tough for me when I was kind of going through my own personal development journey in college. I pretty much like cut ties with a lot of my friends. And, you know, there was lots of times where I was just alone. I was not alone in my, my room with my thoughts, but I mean, I was being proactive. I was learning about business. I was learning about marketing. I was learning about fitness. I mean, I was educating myself. So it wasn't like I was like feeling alone, but I had that. And I feel a lot of people sometimes don't think of it that way and they get stuck or they feel stuck. So and I'm, I guess I'm kind of just open it to both of you guys. Like, what do you think are some of those like steps or ways they can communicate to family, to friends, to that inner circle as far as like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. I would really appreciate it if you'd support me. And if they don't or if they continue to, you know, give those critiques or whatever, how would you go about handling that relationship at that point? Yeah, I- yeah. I think that like some of those boundaries that I was talking about earlier, like creating those with your family and and family really is because you have the longest history with family. That's why it's so hard to break that because Mm -hmm. they see you as a certain person. And again, going back to, you know, they're, they're collecting evidence of the story they have in their head. Like Sarah, you're a shy, quiet, you know, introvert. Like, what are you doing? Like on social, like that doesn't, why are you putting it? You're not, you know, giving the opinions, but it's because they're holding on to the story of who I was instead of stepping into the moment of who I am right now. And if you can look at each person as I think each, every person that we, you know, like the version of you that I'm meeting today is going to be different than the version of you I meet in a month. I'm, you know, assuming they're all on this growth trajectory, you know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's hard for family to see that. And again, it's creating that boundary, communicating that. And Ultimately, sometimes that difficult conversation and it feels kind of vulnerable, even saying like, this is how you're making me feel like I, I really want to be this, you know, X, Y, and Z. Sometimes that alone can make open that other person's eyes to kind of invite them in and feel that connection and compassion. But I would say if that difficult conversation doesn't really align with you, it's can you create a boundary to create space and put a different type of energy, even if that relationship means a lot, you can have a relationship, but know that if your energy is 
you know, better put somewhere else? Can you choose yourself to make that decision? And it's difficult. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. No, it's not. And I think that was beautifully said. Like, I feel like one of my bigger challenges through this growth process has been with family and not to, to put blame because with friends, it was somewhat easier for me to start navigating out of certain circles and hanging out with certain people. It just kind of organically happened. Biggest challenge was, yeah, it's like family, what they perceive me as and what they've, like you said, Sarah, the stories that they've come up with about me. And again, I was going to say this and you said it, but it's like creating a boundary, creating some form of a boundary that is going to help protect myself and my actual truth because who I was, you know, five, six, seven plus 10 years ago is totally different from who I am today. And it's easy to hold on to what was. And, you know, I'm really working to recreate myself and my, my future for my own life. And it's like that boundary of being able to be like, okay, you know, I'm only going to give a little bit of energy to this relationship, you know, maybe a phone call and, and just understand where they are at in their, their life and, and also being okay with wherever they're at. Cause it's going to be really challenging to be in a separate place and have different perspectives. And something that I'm still continuing to learn is being able to meet, meet that that place that my family members are in or whatever it is, even friends, people that I'm interacting with on a daily basis. So I really think the boundaries are the most important thing. And then also to, again, the awareness around, oh yeah, when I spend time, I mean, I even notice like stuff that comes up in certain moments, like around certain people that I start to feel really anxious. And I'm like, whoa, where's this anxiety coming from? Like, what the hell? This is like, kind of out of nowhere, I was totally fine. And, you know, I, I've, I've brought it up to my therapist too. And she also mentioned that for ourselves, like when there are certain traumas involved and things like that, our nervous system holds on to that. And then mm-hmm. when we're around those certain people, the nervous system gets activated again. And it's like, you go back to those traumas in that place. And it's like, you know, so just even hearing that and being able to now oh, okay. When I'm around this person, I start to feel some anxiety. I start to feel some discomfort. Like what's going on with that? What's, what's this, what's this all about? Yeah. That was kind of, that's kind of like a a little bit of a side road there. I was kind of going off on a rabbit hole, but I feel like that all kind of intertwines into that, that space. So. Dude, that makes so much sense now. Holy crap. Now I kind of understand why I get like that. When I, I'm, a, I'm around certain people. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's actually, and I think part of that feeling I get when I do go around those types of people, it definitely, I've used it in my life as like a chip on my shoulder. And it, it stems from just playing football and sports. And even now, like as an adult running my own business, now coaching I realized like a lot of like that internal motivation for me personally has been that chip on the shoulder to kind of like prove them wrong in a sense, whether that's healthy or not, I don't know, but <laughs> it's been working for me and maybe, and maybe, right. I think everyone's different as far as like how, like what gets them fired up, you know, what I think if you look at anyone who's successful or who's ambitious or who has big goals and dreams. You know, I definitely feel like there is a certain level, that mentality that you got to have a very, very strong passion 
a very, very strong work ethic to accomplish big things. And I think sometimes too, we can kind of like look at people, you know, in the space, right. And fitness and, you know, oh, this person has a big following or this person has a huge business. And, you know, you kind of look at where you're at currently and it's like, damn, like I'm working so hard. I haven't really progressed or my business is kind of stalled or whatever. And it's like, you know, you kind of get in your own head. And I think the same applies to people who are, you know, trying to lose weight or going through their own fitness journey. It's like, you know, my friend Becky lost like 30 pounds doing keto and like, how come I can't do that? You know? And I think it's all context, remembering that we're all on our own path, remembering that just because this person got to this place faster or, or whatever, you don't know what they've been through. You don't know their story. You don't know the, the trials, the work that they had to go through, the mistakes they've made. And I think that is a point to kind of really make for people listening to this podcast right now. It's like, you know, just because you're not there yet, how about instead of focusing on worrying about where you're at, or like where you want to go, don't worry about other people and what they're doing. Focus on you, focus on the process, focus on the things you can control day in and day out. Win the day, you know, mm-hmm. win, the, win the day, whatever, whatever you have set for your agenda, whatever your goals are, make that clear, have something that is worth working towards. Because if you don't have really a strong purpose or a strong why, you're not really going to feel motivated to do it, even when you don't feel like it. Because I know for certainty, most of us probably don't feel like doing things that are uncomfortable, but it's like, we have to, if we want to get to a certain place and we're trying to grow. And I think it's really important that wherever you're at, just appreciate and actually practice some gratitude as far as what you do got and appreciate that you could be in the other side of the world dealing with some more crazier shit and you can be having bigger problems than your weight or whatever. And I think that's, it's putting in a perspective. I think perspective and having that on a consistent basis, you don't have to do it every day, but I think there is power and just kind of reflecting on where you're at currently in life, having that appreciation and gratitude for the things that you do have already and wherever you're trying to work towards, just keep doing it. Keep putting in the work, keep your focus on it and surround yourself with people who do support you and who do uplift you because that's what it's all about. And we're all trying to get somewhere in life and we're all, we're not alone. You know, there's someone going through the same thing as you are. And it's only a matter of time before you listen to this podcast and you realize, holy shit, they get me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of like everything you just said too, is, you know, pointing the finger back at yourself, looking at like what you can control, what power you have. And and that comparison game can be a, you know, a steep slope in the wrong direction, you know, and, Because at the end of the day, if you're comparing, you're, you're looking at yourself as less than someone else. You're comparing their superior, superiority or perceived superiority to your, mm-hmm. to your lack. And that in that energy space, you can't, you know, feel abundance if you're constantly sitting in comparison. And like you said, like that, that competitive nature is good. It has its purpose. Like, like everything has the light side, has the dark side but it's just being aware of what, it, what is the light side of that and how am I using it? What is the dark side? But sitting in that energy of, of abundance rather than comparison and lack. And that shows up a lot, right? We all catch ourselves in that, in that space. Yeah. yeah, totally. I love the finger pointing analogy you made. I don't know if you, any of you have ever heard this, but Paul Check says that 
be careful when you point the finger, because when you point your finger, you have three fingers pointing back at you. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Cause everything triggers are a mirror for what's already inside of us. Yeah. So that is really hard to hear when yeah. <laughs> you're being triggered. But if you think about it, it's a reflection of something inside of you, not really the external experience. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important, like community and being around supportive people, because it's like when I, like you said, the mirror, it's like, I, I truly believe that no matter what we see in another person, whether it triggers us, whether it inspires us, it's because we already have that within ourselves. So it's like being in a community of supportive people and people who are uplifting and whatever it is, it's like that is able to be brought out of us even more. And I think that that's so important too. Like when people are starting on, on this just path of growth is like having support because there's been lots of moments where in my life where I, I felt alone and I didn't feel like I had the support. And it wasn't until I came in contact with incredible people like you guys that I was like, oh my gosh, like I do have people who really care about me. I do have people in my life who support me or I have, you know, and there's been so many, so many people that has just come into my life that I'm just so grateful for because it's helped me in that evolution. And we can't do this thing called life by ourselves. I feel like it's never a one, one man or one woman show. It's, it's like, it's a tribe. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's why I had to break down that wall of, of asking for help. I got it mentality. It's like, yeah, yeah you can get, you, you can have it. You can do what you want to do, but it's, you go, what is it? Go fast alone, but go further together. And yeah. it's just really, really true. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Wow. Whew. Powerful stuff. Powerful yeah. stuff. I feel like we're riffing yeah. right now. I Chris did is a, on. Yeah, yeah. Chris, what up, man? <laughs> Good afternoon. <laughs> I can't see you. Yeah, my iPad is all jacked up right now. Oh, uh, that's all right. How y'all right. doing? Good, man. Really good. That's good. Bringing up some lovely topics. <laughs> I started thinking about boundaries. Hey, Sarah. What's up? Hey. Oh, you used to, used to go to CrossFit Free? Yeah, I do. So go there. I went yeah, there, I do. there back. Yeah, I used to, I used to go to that box back in the day. I miss it. Oh, go amazing. <laughs> nice to meet you. Me so one thing that, that came up was boundaries. And I like to break things down. I like to, you know, get down to the, to the meat of things. And the question becomes, all right, so a boundary is basically something that you put up between you and the outside world. And so the question becomes is why do we need to put that boundary up? And what are we trying to protect? Right. And so if I'm trying to protect something, that means I'm attached to it. And attachment leads to craving, leads to triggering and all that good stuff. Right. So the question becomes, how do I free myself? Because once once I'm truly free, right, I don't need any boundaries because now I'm walking the middle path and I'm focused in on what I need to do, whatever, whatever my goals are. Right. The whole notion of the family. And I've experienced this. I was a big boundary boundary person and for some reason my boundaries would always get knocked down and so on and so forth and i'll sit and i would sit there and i'm like why is this why is this happening and then fast forward i go into treatment all this great stuff for myself and then i and i finally found freedom and freedom allowed me to flow with the universe so my family could be like why are you being this why are you doing that why are you doing that i'm just here man i'm just chilling 
I'm just doing what I, I'm just doing what I need to do in order to survive, in order to breathe, in order to see myself in you. Right. We were talking about the mirroring and all that in order for me to see myself in you. Right. I got to I got to see the great the greatness. And I also have to have accepted the negative aspects of me, the unskilled aspects of who I am. So as from from a coaching from a coaching perspective, I challenge myself all the time to see my students and see myself in my students. And hopefully that happens on the other side. They can see themselves in me. And that creates a beautiful tunnel for, for teaching between you and your student, basically. Freedom is, is just, it's a beautiful thing. And when, and when we get true freedom, freedom from attachment, freedom from craving, some really nice things happen. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a life's work. Yeah. Oh. So good. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, man. Chris, what are some things then? Because I mean, I think we can all agree with what you just said, you know, really mm-hmm. having empathy for people and, you know, putting yourself in your client's shoes, having yeah. the ability of your client to put themselves and see themselves in your shoes. How do you cultivate that? You know, if, like, I mean, obviously it's an ongoing process, but what are some... Yeah. What are some tactical things that, you know, someone listening to this podcast could really apply to, to start to kind of think like that and, and really start yeah. to work towards that? That's a really good question. I was actually reading some Thich Nhat Hanh the other day with my recovery group. And one thing that came up was what we were just talking about, that reflection, right? That reflection back and forth game that's happening. So what's, what's important, what I get out of that is we have to allow people to be who they are. So the more vulnerable I am, the more open I am, the more free I am is going to create a space to allow the other individuals in the community to be free. And then that's the moment when they when they can see themselves for who they are. Oh, man, that's that's when the good stuff really starts to happen. Then you can come in and be compassionate and say, you know what, that side of your stuff that you see, it's okay because I was there, too. Right. In some form, in some form of shape. And then you can love them and you can and you can have compassion for them. And then they can accept who they are and whatever that journey is that they want to go down. They're going to go down. Right. They're going to go down that journey. My whole thing is to empower people to be their ultimate selves. And in order to tap into that ultimate self, you got to see yourself end to end for it all. And you got to accept yourself. Right. So it's literally letting people be who they, who they want to be and being open and being free as the teacher, as the coach. And then that's where our awareness comes into play. We got to be very in tuned to what's happening and to when this client is opening up, because when they're opening up, that's when we got to be there just in case they, they fall a little to catch them and say, Hey, I've been there. Let's talk about it. Da, 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 do, do, do. And, and then you're, and then you're off to the races. Mm. Very organic, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, and just kind of like what you were saying earlier, Sarah, like creating that environment, letting them be their authentic self, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and relating to, you know, their story, what they're going through mm-hmm. and being right vulnerable in your own right. Like where you've come from, the journey you've gone through, we all have gone through, right? Like I said, we all kind of have had our own path. And I think our stories are going to relate to certain people more than others. But at the end of the day, we all are the same. We're all similar. We're all going through the same struggle. Ooh, damn. Drop bombs. Got a little hot in here. 
<laughs> I actually did want to go back. This was one of my questions in the beginning. I don't know if you, Pat and Sarah, you remember, I was like, I have two questions for you. <laughs> wow, we went last one. We went <laughs> We should have like the, that, that SpongeBob thing where it's like 45 minutes later. <laughs> That's funny. So... You know, and it came back up a couple of times and I was like, oh, I should ask that question. <laughs> it was about the marathon. You ended up running the Boston Marathon, right? In September of last year. Yeah, it, it was virtual though. So oh, I just ran it okay. basically around town. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Then like your, the video you made on Instagram, cause like that finish line you ran through, I'm like, yeah yeah virtual 2020 version yeah but still cool cool so now were you a runner and what inspired because i know you said like it was something that really got you out of your comfort zone like doing a marathon i mean that's a lot of running so like what inspired you to do that and what did you learn through that process because i'm currently learning and going through that process i'm doing a half marathon in october but i'm doing a marathon next year for sure because of the discomfort and the, luck. the yeah thank you bro the discomfort and the challenge that running brings up for me it's been a very spiritual journey and and mental journey for me so i'm curious about like what that experience was for you and what inspired you to do that it was really amazing. I'm, I'm not a runner. In fact, I mean, I grew up doing dance and gymnastics, so you don't run, you know, <laughs> you don't run more than the tumble track, yeah. but I didn't run my first mile until probably 16. And it took me like 12 minutes. It was not good, <laughs> not up to standard, but it, it definitely was not my forte. I wasn't a runner. I had actually never ran a half marathon when I committed to this, but my mission for this was actually the, since the Boston bombings happened, my ancestor lost her leg in the bombings. And ever since then, I've had this like pull, like, like this energetic pull of like, this means so much. Like I practice gratitude for being able to move my body every day. And although running isn't my thing, it's probably my, maybe my last choice yeah. of exercise, but it's such a gift to be able to run, to be able to walk. And every year since then, so it, it took me several years to commit to it, but I was like, I, I want to do this. I know that this is going to be probably the most challenging thing that I've done mentally and physically. I knew I, I could do it. Like I knew that I could do it because of that mental component of, of, you know, reassuring myself that I will complete and I will finish whatever I put my mind to, like keep telling myself that story. So I finally in 2019 said, okay, I, I want to do this. Like I want to run for charity. I want to raise money for prosthetics and support this foundation. I didn't qualify or anything. So I did run for charity and that was just an amazing process to be able, a part of that, to be a part of charity teams and, and the community. And we would have our group runs on Saturdays. And again, that community co component of like, mm. put our heads down and we're in this together. We're suffering together and you get mm. really close mm. with people that you're like in that environment with. And then to go through up until a couple weeks before, and I was basically about to, you know, taper down my running. I had already trained. I, I was putting in the work every week. And 
that's when COVID hit and they canceled the marathon. They postponed it actually to the fall, thinking that maybe by the fall it would be okay. And, um, took another hit mentally. I was like, you know, I, I'm here. I've been running through the winter, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 mile runs. And then it got taken away. And I was like, mm. oh man, like I, maybe it, maybe this isn't the right timing. Like maybe this isn't it. Like, do I wait to, to run it? And then they put out the virtual option. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, okay, I have to stand in my truth. If my truth is I'm doing this for a bigger purpose and I have to do it. And I stopped running for not stopped, but I pulled back a little bit and got it back together and, and trained again, but this time by myself, you know, I didn't have a record breaking time or anything, but that really wasn't it. It was, it was way more than that. So that was my vision and kind of the purpose for doing that. I knew it'd be challenging. I knew my time, my ego would hate my time, <laughs> right. But, but the experience and that process like mentally was mm-hmm. very yeah. And after that experience, I, I left my job. I didn't like, I became a yoga teacher. I started my business. So it was like a catapult. So Whoa. definitely wow. run that marathon. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to like, I, I feel like it's, it's also helping me understand that I can number one, do something that I don't want to do. Cause I always had a story that was like, I hate running. I'm not a runner. I'm meant to lift weights. Yeah. And you know, and I don't know what happened. It was just something I was just like, I started running randomly and I was like, damn, this feels good. But I can't even tell you how many times I don't want to run, but I just do it. But it now is starting to feel like there's a bigger purpose. It's like, there's a bigger purpose for me doing this. It's not just like, you know, oh, I just, I just want to run to run because I love it. It's like, no, I'm doing this to show people, not, not just show people, but yes, that's a piece of it to show people that like anything is possible. Like going from being like, I'm not a runner. I don't run. I just, that was a choice. And now I'm choosing to be like, no, I'm going to intentionally suffer through this. I want to, because I know on the other side of the suffering is going to be just fucking incredible, you know? And it's like, it's so cool that you said that, like after that experience, like you became a yoga teacher and you quit your job and started your own business. And like, that's so inspiring. That's, that's, that's so incredible just from a running journey. You know, I don't want to say just a running journey, but like from the outside looking in, it's like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to run this marathon. And how much to me, it sounds like spiritual and personal growth. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, and with physical like beats like that, it's very, it's more tangible. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're like, okay, I accomplished this and this is what I went through. When sometimes like mental beats aren't as visually rewarding, but it shows up in, in reflections in other areas of your life. Mm, for sure. There's an evolution that begins to happen, right? When you start to accept your suffer, mm. right? Because I, I think that's what it comes down to. No one wants to suffer. So if we accept the suffering, we're going to be able to run through the suffering. And then once you get beyond the suffering and you know what to do about the suffering, you find clarity. And then great things like happen like what happened for Sarah, right? I'm assuming you, you must have found some beautiful clarity at the other end of that. And you was like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm about to go take that. <laughs> I'm about to go quit my job. <laughs> Juices. Yeah. It took me three months, but <laughs> there is such there's so much growth that comes out of that. You must be a fantastic coach. Just from hearing that, it's just mm-hmm. like what you have to offer and how you could be of service to the universe is just is just amazing. 
because mm. that's that's a gift. Not yeah. too many people get that gift. Mm. You know, that's facts. Mm. And I want to piggyback off that. Like I was going to say this earlier. Like the work you're doing, Sarah, is so inspiring, and it's it's. I feel like it's so important, and I really like honor you and appreciate what you're doing for this world mm. and for this universe because it's it's beautiful work and it's so important at least in my eyes and it's very inspiring even though even for myself like seeing what you do it's it's really powerful so thank you to you and what you do thank you so much that oh, that means so much i appreciate it and right back at you yeah thank you so we got a couple minutes left and we usually wrap wrap it up with a question. Well, we've been setting the intention to wrap it up with a question when we have our guests. And the question is, because the name of our podcast is Performance for Life. So we always like to ask, what does Performance for Life mean to you? I'm going to have to say the ability to connect to your intuitive power and, and align that energy with your actions. Mm. Ooh. Damn. Damn. My gosh. Hold on. <laughs> I, I have to, hold on. I have to write this down again. I hope that <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> I, I, I got it. You, you write on about that. Yeah. yeah. That was like, that might've been the best answer that I've heard so far. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> not that not that there's a right or wrong answer. It was just like, whoa. Yeah, and it's it's a choice every day. Like we've been talking about, it's a path, a journey, and mm-hmm. constantly evolving. So I love that it's for life because it is for life. Yeah. Part of who you are. Totally. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Sarah, and chopping it up. This was pretty epic. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah. really great to meet you guys and yeah. Well, that, keep yeah. up the amazing work. Thank you. I can't cool. you, bro. We will. Hey, and and by the way, locally, Sarah teaches yoga at. Do you, where do you teach yoga? And also, too, before we end, where can people find you? That's another big thing. Yeah, I'm teaching yoga in New Hampshire at Hadasana. and they can find me on Instagram at underscore Sarah Buckley and alternativemoves.com if they want to check out my website. The round. The group program I'm running is, is full right now, but there'll be another launch at the end of November. We'll have more enrollment. Cool. Holler at Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And I have, I'm going to, I already like a couple clients came up for me that I'm going to like send your page over to them and, and have them check you out so they can get some yeah. inspiration, especially the women that I work with. Yeah.